Welcome to the Should Have Bet More podcast presented by Gold Boys. Coming up on the show today, Mike Sando of The Athletic will talk some NFL, maybe pick his brain on some of these awards because he is a voter. The awards took an interesting turn last night. The game was aboard Jets-Browns, but they did have a huge impact on these prices in terms of the awards, so we'll get to that, get to my NFL picks, maybe talk a little college. We've got a big weekend of bowl games, although the bowl games have been hard to watch, hard to bet, all these opt-outs. It's really... it's tough to handicap. It's not like it used to be, but we'll start with the game last night. The game was over two minutes in. As soon as you turn the game on, Browns are up seven, nothing a few minutes into the game. Uh, The game goes well over the total Browns cover game went over middle of the second quarter of the low total. And you knew once the Browns get a lead, the jets with their offense, their quarterback, they're not coming back. And they actually did tie it and tied it pretty quickly. But before you could blink, it's 20 to seven Browns Brown just moved the ball. at will, uh, second half, nobody did anything. Each team kicked the field goal in the fourth quarter. Both teams just took the foot off the gas, and that was it. Browns still ended up with seven and a half yards per play. Uh, the, the interesting thing here is the, the awards in terms of what move, because Flacco, and man, if, if Flacco can take this team to a title game, a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, it would be just, it's a movie. It's one of the more improbable stories you'll ever see in sports. I mean, this guy was not playing football a month ago, and I remember seeing the report Joe Flacco has been signed to the Browns practice squad. Oh, man, I think I had the same reaction a lot of people did. Really? Like, you kind of snicker. He he doesn't have anything left. He's been shot for a while. He's a statue quarterback. He doesn't move. He's He he relies on his arm strength, but he he doesn't throw as well anymore. He looks great. I mean, he's throwing the ball. Maybe the time off helps his arm and he's spry. But, man, what a story. And he is now basically a coin flip at DraftKings with Hamlin to win comeback player of the year. It's hard to say what people's criteria are. You know, Hamlin obviously came back literally from the dead to play again, but he hasn't done much on the field. Flacco is also a great story, and he's actually playing and playing well. To me, this story isn't comeback player of the year. It's what's the best story of the year. That's really what this is because, again, there's no guidelines for it. And I think you can make a strong case for Flacco. I I said on Monday, hey, it's a coin flip, in my opinion, between Flacco and Hamlin, which is maybe a little disrespectful to Baker Mayfield because that's a good story too if he leads them to a division. But the Flacco story is so odd, so unique that I, I just think he's got a really good chance to win. I actually think I think he should be favored right now. It'll be a very interesting vote. The other thing that changed hands last night with the odds in terms of voting or in terms of the awards, Stefanski now minus 300 in some spots, minus 275 at DraftKings to win coach of the year. Four quarterbacks. Now, he, he he won this award in 2020, so my whole thing is, man, it's hard to win this twice in a three- or four-year stretch. It takes something out of the ordinary. Th- this is extreme. To make the playoffs, and they're not going to win the division. Baltimore's magic numbers one. All they have to do is beat either Miami at home and or, or beat Pittsburgh at home next week. So they get two home games left. All they got to do is win one of the two or if the Browns lose next week. So the Browns are going to win the uh, – the Ravens are going to win the division. But still – to take a team to the playoffs when you lost Chubb early in the year was at week two. You lost all these quarterbacks. You got nothing out of Watson. You're on your fourth quarterback. That will be a compelling enough story to, to make him a rightful favorite for coach of the year. And these other guys have fallen off. D'Amico Ryans, if he gets in, well, I think we'll still have a shot. And maybe that's the bet to make right now. I can't wait 300 with Stefanski. But uh, Stefanski is certainly making a case here for uh, for coach of the year. Again, would I bet it? Minus 300, no. But it is just interesting to monitor the, uh, the, the line movement here in terms of, all right, now we have a definitive favorite. Campbell's been the short shot all year, one plus 200, plus 300 in that range. Now we're in a scenario where, where Stefanski has taken hold. So 
Again, I wouldn't bet it. If you think Tomiko Ryan's getting the playoffs, that'll be an interesting vote between Ryan's and Stefanski. If Houston can rally here and get in the playoffs, because that's a good story too with, with Ryan's getting in uh, the playoffs and taking that team from nothing, from basically you know the worst record in the league or second worst record in the league last year. I think they tied with the Bears for worst record last year and taking them to the playoffs. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I, speaking of coaches... I don't know. It sounds like Sal is coming back next year. Rogers basically announced and Rogers basically runs the team. Rogers announced that, Hey, I like Sal. Sal is coming back. And boy, it'd be nice if you could just trade for Aaron Rodgers, the football player, which they haven't gotten any football out of him. He's just basically the GM, the owner, the coach. And he's telling you, Hey, Sal is coming back. Sal in three seasons is 17 and 33. He basically is winning one out of every three games. That's not that it's very unusual in this climate of the NFL to get a fourth year when your first three years, you're 17 and 33 about to be 17. And who they play next week, 17 and 34. They play God. They play the, at new England next week. Jets Patriots have fun watching that one. Uh, he's going to get a fourth year. I guess, you know, if he, if he goes in next year and he's two and four at some point, he's going to be on the hot seat pretty quickly. Uh, I can't see him. He's just not a good coach to me. Defense is his side of the ball. They got a pretty good defense. It's a little bit overrated. They got killed last night. Uh, he has no clue in terms of offense game management. Uh, to me, he's not a good coach. I'd hire somebody else, but then you worry, all right, we're going to upset Rodgers. Then he's his buddy Hackett's there, and his little crew gets broken up, and that's that's the problem with Rodgers. And I was in favor of the trade, and I still think they would have had a hell of a team if Rodgers played. Not sure if their offensive line is good enough to have won a Super Bowl even with Rodgers. I guess we'll never know. Probably probably wasn't, but that, I still think that would have been a good team. But everybody but Rodgers has brought here, Hackett and Lazard. I mean, he just brings these awful guys with him. Tim Boyle, he's got his little crew, his little posse, and they all stink. So that, that's the problem with Rodgers. I, I can't understand why Salah's coming back here. But that appears to be the case. So last night was kind of a bore, but did have an interesting effect here on the markets. Uh, going forward, just getting to my picks for the weekend. And it's an interesting setup with the weekend. One game on Saturday. We're done with Thursday Night Football now. That was the last Thursday Night Football game last night. One game on Saturday, Cowboys-Lions, which is a, is a fun game. It's a good game. Ten early games on Sunday, then only a few games uh, in the afternoon. And then you get the Sunday night game. No Monday game this week. They moved that to Saturday. So starting to come to the end here of football. It's a little depressing. I, I love – there's nothing like the regular season where you just – you sit there from one to basically you know eight when the, the night game starts and you just watch football all day in your red zone and fantasy. And playoffs are awesome. It's just not the same field to sit there and, and watch – all the games and all the um, all the just different uh, endings to these games and that 3, 3.30, 3.45 time period where, you know, the leads are changing, the games are close. You don't get that in the playoffs as fun as the playoffs are. And, man, it just it goes by so fast. Hard to believe football season's over. But we'll get to the picks here. I'll start with the Saturday game. I like the over. It's come down a little bit, I think, because Dallas has offensive line issues. 52 at DraftKings. To me, Dallas is just a machine at home. They're going to get their 35-plus points against pretty much everybody. Detroit's not capable of stopping them. They don't have the secondary to hold up. So to me, this is like a – and Detroit, to me, is going to get their points too. I just think Detroit, especially if they're playing from behind, get golf indoors. Dallas is good on defense. They're not great. And Dallas can score on defense too, which helps your over. To me, this is like a 31-24, 34-24 type of game. I wouldn't lay the points with Dallas as good as they've been off at home and off two losses. I, just, I worry about a backdoor. I would lean towards Dallas minus the points. But I just, again, I worry about a, a garbage time score from Detroit covering that number. But I do like the over. The rest of my picks, I like Falcons plus three against the Bears. Uh, I'm just, I'm a big, I'm not a big Heineke fan. I'm just so anti-Ritter. I haven't understood this loyalty. The loyalty to Ritter all year has been so perplexing to me. And the rest of the team's pretty good. They got guys you like. They got Pitts and London and Bijan Robinson. They got a pretty good defense. 
to me, these are two pretty even teams. Falcons play nothing but close games. So the three there is valuable. They have a lot of weird scores too, where, because their games are so low scoring. It's almost like they're a, a service academy where, you know, 16, 14, 19, 17, that three could be valuable. A lot of their games end by like one or two points. Their, their games are always around the number. So I like the Falcons there getting the three. Falcons still have a shot to win the division. Bills minus 13 against the Patriots. Uh, some 13 and a half popping up. 13, 13 and a half. Obviously, yeah, 13 at DraftKings. We'll call it 13. When you're laying a big number, you worry. Do you, can the coach, is the team going to be focused or are they going to be motivated? Bills obviously are going to be motivated. And I think they're going to be focused because they almost lost as a huge favorite last week. And they already lost to the Patriots. So if you're McDermott, you have a very easy time getting your team's attention. It's like, hey, we can easily lose this game. These guys beat us before. We almost lost last week. No screwing around. Let's get a lead. And let's put these guys away. And I think if New England's playing from behind, that's going to be a tough scenario for them. I could see the Bills winning this game, you know, 34 to 7, 31 to 10, something like that. I, I think the Bills win and I think they win comfortably. So Bills minus the points. And if you like the Bills to win this week, and they should win, they're minus 13. The game of the week, Ravens Dolphins, I don't have a good feel for, but I will say there is plus 280 at Fanatics, plus 265 at DraftKings for the Bills to win the division. Because if you think Baltimore is going to beat Miami, if if form holds this week, Bills beat the Patriots, Ravens win at home against the Dolphins. That game next week is for the AFC title, for the AFC East title. The lines are already up at DraftKings. Miami's favored by a point and a half. So you'd love to be sitting there with plus 280 in your pocket next week if that game is for the division. So that is a good bet for me. Bills laying the points and Bills, to me, plus 280. That's just, that's an off number. That should not be plus 280. You're basically thinking, hey, as long as the only real question here, can Baltimore just win at home against Miami? And then you're sitting there with, with, with a huge, with a lot of opportunity to, all right, I could buy back on Miami next week. I could hope Buffalo gets a lead and then maybe take Miami plus the points. I could just let it ride. But Buffalo plus 280 at Fanatics to win that division, that's a good number. I'd still play plus 265. Make sure you shop around and you try to get the best number. I think FanDuel is plus 270. So those are the picks. The rest of the games, it's hard at the end of the year. You know, 49ers, commanders, are the 49ers going to be focused off a big loss? You'd think they would be, but they could just be a little flat after what was a huge game the other night, and they came up short, and now they're beat up. I don't like them laying a big number on the road. Uh, Philly, Arizona, I mentioned Arizona. That's up to 12. That's a lot of points for this Philly team. I know Arizona's horrible on defense, horrible against the run, but they've been feisty on offense. 12 is a big number. Uh, Jacksonville, Carolina, I don't know about Lawrence. Pittsburgh, Seattle, I want nothing to do with. I guess I'd take the three and a half if I had to take it or lay it. I'd take it just because Pittsburgh plays a lot of close games. Tomlin's good as a dog. Uh, Kansas City, I don't trust to lay six and a half. Broncos, Chargers, I want no part of. Minnesota, Green Bay, one and a half. Green Bay's a good teaser leg. But other than that, man, a lot of these games are tough, are, are tough at the end of the year, especially when these teams that aren't, when you get two teams that are out of it, that, that those are the games that are dangerous to get involved with. Um, so that that's the scenario here for the NFL. College, good game tonight, Missouri-Ohio State. It sounds like most of the guys are going to play. That's not a bad game. But like I said, these bowl games are hard. Nobody plays anymore. You never know who's playing. It's almost like NFL preseason where, you know, we're, it's not about how good the teams are. It's who's playing, how long are they playing. It's more of a, a race for that in terms of the information as opposed to on the field. A couple of picks I do like this weekend, though, uh, at least one, Georgia-Florida State. I like the Florida State team total under. I just don't see how they score. Jordan Travis, obviously out. Rodermakers in the transfer portal, the backup quarterback. They're going to be on the third string quarterback. I don't know. Like, I'm not laying 20 here. I don't know if 
the um, if the rest of the Georgia team, like they've got their opt-outs too. I don't know if Georgia has an appetite to run it up here, and I don't want to lay 20 when I could have laid 14 a few days ago. But to me, Florida State, I, I could see a scenario where you turn the game on, it's 24 nothing Georgia at halftime, and Florida State hasn't crossed midfield. It could be that one of those kind of games. So Florida State team total under 13.5 is a play. The Monday games, you finally get these playoff games. As fun as these playoff games are, I don't know that these are great to bet. Bama, Michigan, I go back and forth with. I do think Bama's a good teaser leg. You get them up to seven and a half or eight. So if you like, whether, whether it's Green Bay this week is a teaser leg. The Chiefs, you know, a lot of people, I suggested using the Browns last night, pair them with Bama. Bama's a good teaser leg. Get them up to seven or eight, seven and a half or eight. That, that line's bounced around one and a half, two. I'd love to be sitting there Monday with Bama plus eight in my pocket. And you know what? You could buy back with Michigan on the money line. So that's how I'd play that. I think Bama wins a close game. Don't have a great feel for it. This Michigan team's not great on offense, but this is far from a vintage Bama team, too. They do not have the level of skill guys they usually have. So better game to to watch, I think, than bet. But Bama as a teaser is good. And I would take the points, Washington, Texas. That should be a fun game. A lot of points. I would lean towards the over, and I lean towards taking the points. But we'll be back Monday. We can talk more about those games. But coming up next, Mike Sandal of The Athletic. We'll talk all things NFL. We'll talk some awards. That is coming up next. All right, we are back. Very excited to have our next guest from The Athletic, from the Football GM Podcast, one of the best football guests you can ask for. We got him, Mike Sando. Mike, what's going on, man? You know, not too much. We just finished recording the Football GM Podcast, the last one of the year as we wind down 2023. Goes so fast, the football season, man. You wait for it to get here, you look up, and my goodness, week 17, week 18, it's like, where, where does it go? Um, I'll start with this. Monday, my whole thing was the two Super Bowl teams from last year. Just I don't see either one getting back. Do you disagree yeah. if one of them makes a run? If if one of these, like both these teams have problems, if one of them is fixable, which which one do you think is more fixable between the Eagles and the Chiefs? Uh, it's a great question. Probably, probably the Chiefs. Uh, I, I don't think it's fixable. I don't think either one is fixable. So the main problems we have for Kansas City are the receiver group uh, and just the ability to be explosive on offense. We've had all year to try to fix that, Kansas City, and I'm just not seeing the evidence. I think in any one game, you know, there's a couple games they had where if they just hold on to the ball, you know, they make a couple spectacular game-winning plays. So they still have that in them. I just don't think we're going to see that on a consistent basis. Now, the Eagles could, you know, play a little bit better defensively. I just think they have flaws on that side of the ball. Uh and then offensively, it's been a little hit and miss too. So uh, I don't. I think we saw the best of those teams in the Super Bowl. We haven't really seen them to be that level again. Yeah, and just think a couple of weeks ago. I mean, everyone loves the Bills now. The Bills are everyone's darling sleeper. If, if Tony lines up yeah. properly, Bills are pretty much done. The Chiefs, we probably look at differently. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think it's it's very fixable. There's just no explosiveness. I don't know that Kelsey's the same player. I don't know if you, you know people you talked yeah. around the league, watch the film or whatever. Think he's just it's the injuries, it's the age, it's a combination of everything. Yeah, and just not having any other options. I think it's easier to take away one yeah. guy, and he's never he's never been a an amazing one on one beat you, uh, you know, that way. He's more find the spot in the zone or find the the crease there and just get open. And I think he can still do that well enough. It's just I think he he and they are easier to defend right now. Uh, and yeah, he's not you know, going to uh, break a tackle and run an extra 50 yards at this stage of his career. But I, I don't know that that was always his, you know, what he was going to do either. Uh, level of concern with the 49ers after the other night, offensive line, defense, and Purdy, I, I don't, it's fascinating the discourse around him period. I don't worry about him playing as much as I worry. Like he got banged up. He got another stinger. He was hurt last year against Philly. He's yeah. a small guy. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts here on the 49ers yeah. in terms of you know where you're at with them? 
Yeah, a little bit of a concern with him and the durability. I, Randy Mueller and I just finished talking about this, and I thought he made a good point. Basically, especially when Trent Williams is not in there at left tackle, when they play teams that can rush the passer with power, not just not speed, with power, their tackles get drove, driven back. And we saw Cleveland do it with their personnel and Baltimore with theirs. Jadavian Clowney or Miles Garrett, those types of guys, uh, can really disrupt them and get in Purdy's face and make them look really bad. So not every team can do that, right? So it could be a little bit of a function of some of the matchups they get, who they maybe see in a Super Bowl if they were to get that far. We'll bounce around here. What do the Bears do? Fields is it made at least made it interesting. Let's assume they get yeah. the number one pick. Um, what do you what do you think they'll do? What do you think they should do? I think they will and should uh, draft one of the quarterbacks at the top. I think there'll be a, there'll be one that uh, clearly will seem more promising uh, than Justin Fields. And look, I'm not saying they did the they did right by Justin Fields every step of the way, uh, but I think we also just would have expected or hoped to have seen a little more development from him. If you're Ryan Poles now and you've had a couple years there and you passed up one chance to get a quarterback because it really would have been a little premature or unfair or you didn't really know if C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young were that much better than Justin Fields, um, that could be understandable that you made that move. I think it's hard after another year of Justin Fields and sort of the evidence that we have uh, to do that again, if you're a GM who's going to get one shot at this thing, right? You get one, he's not getting another chance next year. They're not going to have the number one pick next year. This right. is it. This is your one chance as a GM to draft the most important position when you have real question marks about the guy you have. So I don't know. To me, that's a no brainer. With all the quarterback injuries, do you think teams go into the draft and just take more chances on quarterbacks? Is there something teams can do to develop backups more? Uh, from you know talking with Randy, talking just people around the league, it, yeah. it, the backup quarterback, it, it's such an important position. Do you, do you sense that all these injuries will make teams think or act differently, or just it's luck? It's no. luck of the draw. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I think there's still only a small number. The supply of good quarterbacks has gone right. down. Let's face it, we've had. Coming into this year was the youngest starters in week one since 1957. That's with Rodgers playing, okay? Since then, Cousins has got hurt. Uh, Sean Watson's fallen off. Russell Wilson's been benched. Uh, there's just a ton of guys who've retired in the last five or six years. Carson Palmer, Alex Smith, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. There's three or four others that I'm not even Ben Roethlisberger's, right? Those guys have gone out, and I think it's just become, uh, you know, th there's – fewer guys that you can count on to just to be able to run the offense. Even Flacco right now, Joe Flacco is at least functional. He can run the offense. He can, if there's a system tailored for him, he can run it. There's fewer guys who can do that in the league now than in a long time. And I think we're seeing that. Uh, I don't know what your plan is to, you know, uh, yes, you can prioritize a backup, but that backup may be starting for someone next year. Right. Yeah. And Ryan Rossillo, who you've gone, his, uh, gone on his podcast a bunch of times. He's talked about this a lot where, He's floated the idea of maybe some sort of developmental league where these quarterbacks, oh, yeah. they come in, these guys that get picked fifth, sixth round, they sit on a roster, they don't play, they don't really practice, then they just get replaced by somebody else. And there's no, I don't know, there's no reps, there's no development. I, I don't know what the answer is, but he's brought oh, that up a lot. I agree. I agree. The problem with developmental leagues for, for the NFL is they, they're only profit driven. Yeah, they all want development, but it has to make a profit. So they've had the World League, they've had NFL Europe those types of things. And we can debate how much, you know, of a proving ground that gave Kurt Warner or some of these other guys that were able to play uh, over there. But I, I do agree with you that that would be helpful uh, if there could be, if the league or would sponsor it. And when we have had XFL and some of these other things, but they've sort of been hit, miss, stop and go. Are they going to fold this year? You know, it hasn't been a consistent proving ground or training ground.
where's Belichick this time next year, this time in six months? Um, you know, so one of the teams during the year I kind of thought was maybe Washington. I don't have a strong opinion. You know, I feel like, you know, the, the chargers make a lot of sense from, they have the quarterback. I think the, uh, you know, it would be a great place for him to go, but they just never been willing to, uh, really seed power since probably Marty Schottenheimer to some extent Norv Turner were there. They've always gone with the coach they can kind of control. So it would take a fundamental shift in how their owner wants to operate. Uh, I would say there's a, you know, it's probably been an outside chance of that sort of thing happening, but you never know. Maybe they're desperate enough to really change how they do business. Um, but I don't have a strong opinion yet uh, on where he would go. You kind of think about like established organizations, the big name ones, you know, I've Is always thought about him as a, Giants, Bears, Commanders, right. that type of place. You know, right. is he definitely out of New England? You think, or you wouldn't count anything? You wouldn't rule anything out. I wouldn't rule anything out. I think okay. he most likely is. It feels that way, but I don't yeah. think we have full information yet of what their other options would be, or what he's willing to do, or how they see the draft, or any of that type of stuff. Or, but I do think that it's it's probably run its course. Do people assume? Do people get the sense that Harbaugh is going to jump to the NFL and, and snag one of these jobs? Not, I haven't got that sense. I always feel like it's. A, I'll believe it when I see it at this. Point. I, I got into some of that last year and wrote about it a couple of times. I think I'm going to let it come to me this year. More like, hey, we've we've considered it. But, um, you know, one of the challenges with Harbaugh is that, uh, you know, he can be an awkward interview, an awkward conversation. So when you come in to a place, unless you know exactly what you're getting or have a connection with him or, or take that into account, I think you can kind of come away wondering how well that conversation really went. And that's just the way Jim is. You know, I, I go back to my first time I ever met with him one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, familiar with him when he played and everything. But I th it, it, it was an odd conversation. I kind of thought I was blowing the, the interview, you know. But then I realized I really wasn't. That's just him. He's just a little, he's just a little different to connect odd, with. Odd duck. Just duck. a little bit. Yeah. And so, um, you know, how does that make owners feel then when you're, you know, when you're coming in, that's just my speculation a little bit on why wouldn't he have taken something last year? You know? Right. I think, what well, was it two years ago? He went into Minnesota and I think, yeah. did I try to remember the report properly that he went in basically like it was a done deal. Like, Hey, when do yeah. I start that kind of thing? And they're like, Hey, you're interviewing. This is not, this is not your job. You were interviewing it. It was kind of an awkward. Uh, yes. On both sides. Yeah. And so you also would be coming in from college, a major program where you really are kind of a king there right and right. you can have a lot of power as the coach in the nfl but it's probably not going to be the same so that could have been a little bit of a disconnect too i think the reason i think he's going to jump man it just seems like not the most pleasant thing to be a college coach with the transfer party constantly yeah. having to recruit kids your own kids other kids nil it's there's a lot of moving parts with it who knows what the allegations yeah and, you know what they do in the playoff here in a couple of days maybe that factors into it i'm not sure that makes sense yeah yeah it could make sense for him I mean, you know, he coached it. He coached college in San Diego. <laughs> right. Yeah. True. He's been there, man. It's hard to believe he's been there a decade now, almost nine. I mean, what ninth year yeah. in Michigan? Hard, hard to believe. Sixty uh, years old now, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, man, we're we're all getting old. Um, uh -huh. Awards. Before we get you out of here, I just want you are a voter, right? Yeah, I do. A, I do AP. I have an AP vote, and then I vote in the Pro Football Writers of America. Also, we'll go through some of these. I'll ask it two ways: who you're leaning towards voting, and who you think will win. You could take. You can answer either, both. Just take it however yeah. way you want to go. We'll start with MVP. Um, so I think you know Lamar Jackson's the odds-on favorite. I, I I feel like he probably is in the best position to win it. I uh, wrote a column on Thursday that really laid out why. I don't think there's a great MVP candidate at all, but um, if the Rams were to finish really strong, and get in, I think Matthew Stafford has a better case than a lot of others. The oh. way I just look, the way I look at it, and 
there's a pretty cool little graphic I put in there. If you look at how the teams win a game, so like Baltimore wins disproportionately with their defense. Lamar's a really good quarterback, but he's a big piece of a small pie. Their offense is not churning this year. It's not even close to 2019. Now, a lot of offenses aren't churning this year, so it's a little bit of a different landscape, but their defense is churning majorly. I mean, it's why they win the game. So when they beat the 49ers, uh, if you, you watch the game start, he didn't really start that well. He's missing passes. They had the bad luck thing where he took the safety. But guess what? The score is 5 nothing. Right. The, the, Niners have, the 49ers have 12 points through three quarters. Yep. Um, he's not having to put on his back to win the game. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not hugely important or a, a, a matchup nightmare. But when I look at the MVP, I oftentimes look at, okay, who's sort of carrying a team that has some flaws and they're winning because of this player. So when Patrick Mahomes has a bad defense and still goes to the Super Bowl or bad special teams or whatever, like I go, whoa, when the teams like, like one of the questions I asked in the column would was, you know, so what would the Ravens be this year without Lamar Jackson? And you go, well, would they be a little bit like the Browns? You know, now the Browns have been even better on defense, but the Browns with four different quarterbacks beat the Ravens. I mean, that's how good their defense yeah. is. So, you know, I take a little bit of that into account, and that's why I sort of thought with Stafford, their defense has overachieved, uh, but they're still about 20th in EPA per play, and their special teams is the worst in the league by far. That's why they lost to Baltimore. They gave a punt return in, in overtime. So you've got this quarterback who is really got it going for a team. Their defense and special teams combined ranks 29th. Um, if they were to win and get to 10 wins and get in the playoffs, like with him driving the car, I would feel like that's more impressive than some of these other guys. Even Dak has a good defense and a, and a good offense and it's cooled off a little, or, you know, now Josh Allen could be interesting if they were to win out. I feel like he has really carried it, you know, in a, in more of a way where it was all on him uh, than some of these other guys. If you had to turn in the car today, would it be Stafford? Uh, yeah, it might be. Wow. How about what would Tua be able to steal it if he won two games or he's not on the radar enough for you? Uh, Tua is Tua is in a little bit of the Purdy bucket to me where I feel like with the scheme and with the weapons right. around them that uh, they get a little bit of outsized uh, amount of credit. Now, I do think if either one of those players was just hadn't had the game that Purdy had the other night or, you know, if they, at a certain point where the stats just become so overwhelming sure. that, like, to me, that's the MVP. I think if also, likewise, if we had a wide receiver breaking the all-time record or some of the, if Miles Garrett had 25 sacks or something you could really hang your hat on, like, it might be that guy. I just feel like this year there's not there's not a, a great candidate. So maybe the last two weeks need to play out. And if Lamar Jackson, you know, really has a great game against Miami and they win out, I mean, maybe that's enough. Because I do think how you finish you know, is part of this thing too. Could Purdy circle back and, and get a vote, get people's votes, or did he pretty much eliminate him? I felt like him? that was fatal. You know, I thought that I was thought a little bit so fatal because people are already a little suspicious. Or yes. You know, look, one of the other things I wrote in the column was like from 2017 into this year, those were the years that Kyle Shannon was there in San Francisco. The top five quarterbacks in EPA per pass play were Rodgers, Breeze, Garoppolo, Rivers, and Mahomes. So Mahomes might have been second, but, but basically you've got You've got Rodgers, Breeze, Mahomes, and Rivers are four of the top five, and Garoppolo's the other guy in the top five. Well, who doesn't belong in there? Right. 
no, right? Absolutely. So clearly Garoppolo is not even close to those players. So you have to say, well, the San Francisco is a big part of that. And we feel that with Purdy, even though when they're going, he runs that system better than Garoppolo and better than maybe a lot. Maybe maybe he runs it better than some of the MVPs would. Yeah, and I'm a big Purdy fan, but there is, I mean, there's some of that with like the Lincoln Riley offense in college where you see the kid the other night, Moss for USC, step in and throw six touchdowns. Like, wait, yeah. how good is Caleb Williams? Because it seems like whoever does well in that system does well. So there, there's some of that too. Um, how about coach of the year? Is it Stefanski's to lose? Well, I kind of feels like it was, you know, different stages along the way. I think I had maybe Harbaugh towards midseason. I think there was definitely a case for Dan Campbell. Just if we had said before the year, Dan Campbell is going to have the first division title you know, for the Lions in such a long time, uh, what else does he have to do, right? So let's watch this week because if they, let's just say the Lions were to beat the Cowboys, put it on them, you know, finish strong. I think his candidacy has got to be up there too. Today, the day after, <laughs> the the uh, Browns became the third time, third team in the realignment era since 2002 Amazing. to reach the playoffs with four different quarterbacks starting and maybe the only one ever who had four starter quarterbacks where each one started at least two games uh a great story you know you, you have to give him a lot of credit they lost their running back their tackles i think they've lost three tackles you know that's pretty good we'll finish on this comeback player of the year hamlin certainly has his yeah. case and it's a unique award because yeah. there's no criteria there's no guidelines flacco baker mayfield yeah. somebody else if you feel free but who are you leaning yeah. towards who do you who do you ultimately think wins well yeah man flacco has about two more 300 yard games i mean maybe he's gonna get it i just have a hard time not giving it to DeMar Hamlin. I, I just feel like what more do you have to do? I mean, obviously he didn't want to have what happened happen, but I mean, the gravity of that situation, do we just let that sort of fade away and not recognize that he came back and played football? He played in the regular season. Um, now he didn't, you know, he's not the driving force between a playoff thing. And I get it. Baker Mayfield and you know, what Joe Flacco have done have been more valuable to their teams, but Coming back from that, uh, look, can you define the award in a more impressive way almost than really you died on the field, you briefly died, right? right? I mean, you had a cardiac arrest where your heart is stopping, right? So that's the gravity of that, to come back and just live, to come back and just play catch sure. with kids, <laughs> sure, to come back and play in a game. I mean, I, I got to put that top list for me. Understood. All right, last last one, just 30 seconds. Did Stroud have to play here to, to win this award? Was he going to win even if he didn't play the last month or so, offensive rookie of the year? Uh, I think he probably wins it anyway. I mean, who else okay. would you give it to? Yeah, I mean, Nakua, Gibbs, really. There's there's not that. Oh, yeah, I mean, shoot. Nakua yeah, it's funny. You got me. I haven't looked. I haven't okay. gone through these yet. I do it. When I do my ballot, I really pull them all together and I analyze it. So, uh, yeah, Puka Nakua is pretty darn good. I think it's, I think he's a great one, too. So, uh, let's let's watch and see how they finish, and I'll I'll put my diligence into it before I cast the ballot. Mike, you're the best. I appreciate a few minutes here. Let everyone know where they can find you. Absolutely at the Athletic number one uh, in the Athletic app, and you can find me on X at Sando NFL. Mike, you're the best man. Hopefully, we'll do it again soon here down the road. Happy New Year! Thanks for coming on. Likewise, thank you. All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Mike Sando. We will be back Monday, wrapping up all the week of the NFL and talking about the final week. So it should be a fun weekend. Enjoy it. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. See you next week.